Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get into the message. Uh, For the last two weeks, we have spent our time looking at this idea of hope. And last week, we uh, spent the bulk of our time in 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 3 here. And it says this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Out of God's mercy, and we touched on that briefly last week, every time we see this word mercy, it is always linked to God in action. And out of God's mercy, he has caused his children to be born again. When men and women come to Christ, we are made new in him. And there is this new birth. And because we have been born again, we now live in a living hope because our Savior is not dead. And I, I kind of challenged us and just talked to us that us as believers do not walk in fear. In this life, there is going to be trials and ups and downs, but fear has no control over believers because we know the one who has conquered death. The worst thing that can happen to us on this side of heaven is for us to physically die, but when we physically die, we are alive with Christ. And we uh, touched on that, and we uh, talked about that, but right now, in this next season, we are going to be switching gears. And we're not going to do, I don't want to say the typical Christmas time, because we are now entering into the Christmas story, but I wanted, I don't want to say made a switch, but... I want us to be talking about the Christmas story from a little bit of a different angle. The Christmas season is all about celebrating Emmanuel, which means God with us. But I want to spend the next few weeks seeing how Jesus, the one who we celebrate at Christmas, has always been there. I want to, for the next few weeks, talk about finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament has been pointing to the coming king. You guys may not realize that or realize that, but from the very beginning, it has been pointing to Jesus. And we are going to be looking at stories in the Old Testament on how it is constantly pointing to Christ. In John chapter 1, it says something that I think is very important for believers to understand. It says this, This is uh, John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, it says, was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcoming. Jesus has always been with God. You know, oftentimes at Christmas, we are just celebrating the birth of Christ. But the reality is, is that Christ has always been there. It's not like he just all of a sudden showed up on the scene 2,000 years ago 
Scripture teaches us is that Jesus has always been with him. He is God. He has been there from the very beginning. So I want to kind of look at how Christ has been there from the beginning, but also look at how the Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus. It's, it is from, you can actually say from chapter 1 through the end. It's all pointing to Christ. So today we are going to be looking at a story that takes place in Genesis 22. And before we open up Genesis 22, I need to give you a little bit of a backdrop to what is happening here. I don't think it is fair just to like say, let's just dive in there because we need to kind of understand what is taking place and what is happening at this time. So Genesis 22 is going to be the account of Abraham and his son Isaac. But before all of this, we need to quickly turn to Genesis chapter 12, and I want to just give you a brief history of Abraham. I have talked about Abraham up here a lot because he is such a vital figure to the story of God. But in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, this is just two verses or, or uh, three, three verses here, it says this. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you, this is talking to Abram, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, so God speaks to this man by the name of Abram, who will later become Abraham, and says, and says Abraham, I want you to leave your current land, and I want you to go to this land that I will show you, and I am going to make you a great nation. And God gives him this promise here. And it actually says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Abraham was 75 years old at the time when this was spoken to him. Abraham did not know how the Lord was going to do this or when God was going to answer his word. But Abraham believed the Lord and left. He left his land that he was in and he went to the land that God would show him. But some time went by and the Lord speaks to Abraham again. And this time, the Lord tells Abraham what his plan is, that his plan is that he will give Abraham an offspring, his own child. Well, as you guys know, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, are older. They're not uh, in the childbearing years. It's not like God's talking to a 20-year-old. He, uh, Abraham was 75 when he first spoke, but he, he says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a child. Well, Time passes. You guys know how this story takes place, if you've read, read Genesis here. Abraham and Sarah, years go by. A year and years, and God promised you some sort of offspring, and Sarah has a great idea. Sarah says, listen, Abraham, we're not having kids, but I've got this maidservant here. She can have kids. Why don't you have a child with her? genius idea, right? I mean, we all know how this is going to end. Like, this is just going to be just a really great situation here. So Abraham does, and they have a child, and his name is, is uh, Ishmael. You would have never have guessed Sarah and her maidservant, Hagar, 
they don't get along anymore. Who would have thought? Who would have thought in these circumstances that all of a sudden these, these two women would no longer get along? So Ishmael is born, and Sarah is not happy. You know, there's probably jealousy, there's anger. And Hagar, she does, she's not a peach here either. She becomes a little bit prideful in this situation as well. But now you've got a household. You've got Abraham, you've got his wife Sarah, you've got this other woman, now you've got a child. And, and just, it's a complicated mess, right? And uh, on that same note, it was actually funny on Thursday at Bible study, Roy, as I was thinking about preparing for this message, Church, you need to read the Old Testament. There is some crazy stories where that God is working, and as you read it, you'll be like, "What's going on here?" And it's God's working out all things. Well, in this situation, um, they have a kid, and they continue on, and uh, uh, Hagar leaves for a little bit, but her son's still in the picture. Abraham has a son by the name of Ishmael, and he loves this son deeply. Well, years pass. Abraham was 86 when Ishmael was born, and then some 14 years later, Abraham, who was 100 years old, and Sarah was way past childbearing years, have a kid. This is their true kid. This is a kid that God had been promising to them. Well, what happens is that Isaac is born, and Sarah sees Ishmael making fun and ridiculing their new son. So she goes to her husband, Abraham. She says, Abraham, I don't want to see these people anymore. Get rid of them. So what happens is that Hagar and their oldest boy, Ishmael, who's now 14, they get sent away. And it's it's a little bit devastating here. I mean, like, I mean, when you really like think about this, this was all Sarah's idea. And now Sarah is saying, get rid of this family. I don't want to see them. I don't want any sort of part in them. So that is what happens here, is that Hagar and Ishmael, they get sent away. And it's now Sarah, Abraham, and their new child, Isaac. Well, some years passed. And this is where we are going to be picking up in Genesis chapter 22. And I wanted to give you that entire backdrop because what we see is we see heartache of trying to have a son. Then we see Hagar and Ishmael for 14 years. And then Sarah finally conceives a son. And now years pass where their son Isaac is now older. And this is what happens in Genesis chapter 22. And I'm going to ask for you to please stand as we read these nine verses this morning here. It says this in verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham? And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and the two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for, for a burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. In verse 4, On the third day, 
Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, and, and he took his, his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they, so they both of them went together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went, so they went both of them together. Let us pray. Father God, as we look to your word today, Father, we desire to see you more clearly. Father, you have given us this account, and I pray, Lord, today as we examine your word, may you remind us of who you have always been. God, we give you praise this morning, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated here. Now, for a moment, put yourself into Abraham's shoes. We just recapped the mess that this man has already gone through. Now, he has one son left. And God actually says here, your only son, because this is, Isaac is his only legitimate son. Ishmael was a non-legitimate kid at that time and in that family. So here Abraham is. And God says, Abraham, I want you to go. I want you to go to this mountain. I want you to take your, your son, by the way, Abraham is over 100 years old now, right? Like, he's not just a, a spring chicken. And God says, I want you to go, and I want you to take your only son up to the mountain. This son that Abraham had been waiting for for 25 years from when God first promised it to him, years of waiting, expecting, and hoping for this son, now the Lord calls him to sacrifice him. For many who read this chapter, it is a very confusing and almost seems cruel of God to do something like this. When you first look at this, it's like, how can God do this? Why would God do this? This seems so crazy that God would, would say this to Abraham. But as we look at this story, I want to point out some pretty amazing things that are within this story that I think will continue to point us to Jesus. The son Isaac, there's so much significance in this son. Think about this. God says, Abraham, you're going to be a father of a great nation. Your heir is going to be this great nation. At one point in time, God tells Abraham, Abraham, look at the stars of the sky. And he says, look up at these. This is actually Genesis 15. Uh, let's just pick up in verse 4 here. This is God speaking to Abraham. And God says this, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he 
brought him outside and said, look towards heaven, Abraham, the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and counted to him as righteousness. God said, Abraham, listen, the number of stars in the sky, you are going to have that many offsprings. You are going to be the father of this great nation. You are going to be such a blessing to this world. Now, Abraham has his one son, Isaac. All of the hope of the nation of Israel and for God's people is literally found in this one son. This one son that has been promised to him, everything is saying, this one son, you are going to have this son and you are going to become this great father. So, so much is wrapped up in this here. But we see that Abraham trusted God throughout all of this. Throughout all of this time, we see it constantly that, that, that Abraham knows God is going to do something here. Actually, pick up in, in uh, verse 7 of chapter 22, and it says this. It, it says, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said this. He said, God will provide for himself a burnt offering. So they, so they, they went both of them together. Abraham never doubted God throughout this entire process. Throughout this entire situation, which seems crazy, Abraham knew God's going to do something here. God's going to work out something in this situation. I don't know how, but I've trusted God for X amount of years so far. God will somehow provide. And as you guys have probably picked up, as we have read this story, this entire story is pointing ahead. It is, it is pointing to that one day God would provide. I want to point out a couple of interesting things in this story that maybe you have picked up on or maybe you haven't here, but it is once again pointing to how God is working out all things. Look at the land where Abraham takes his son. God said, Abraham, take your son to the mountain over in Moriah, I believe is how you pronounce it here. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 3. Where is this place? Does this place have any significance at all? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Where at? On Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father, at the place that David had appointed. The city of Jerusalem was established in this land. This Mount Moriah is exactly where Jerusalem becomes built. And it's where God's future temple is now built. It's where the Lord spoke to David. And it's so interesting that this is where Abraham takes place. Abraham and his son. This idea of this sacrifice. This idea of the one and only son. This idea that God will somehow provide. It all takes place on the same mountain. I think that's interesting. I think how God works out all of this stuff is so interesting because 
the story of Abraham and Isaac here, guys, this is thousands of years before Christ. This is, this is taking place so far before Jesus ever physically came to this earth. Look at this detailed in the story as well. In, uh, in verse 6 in uh, chapter 22, it says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And when he took him in his hand, the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. Not only is the future location of the temple of God and the city of Jerusalem, but we see in this story that the father takes the wood and lays it on his son. This is all foreshadowing. It's all pointing to one day a Savior would come. One day God would provide for his people. And that one day God would offer a sacrifice. But let's look at how this story ends here in the book of, of uh, Genesis here. Because it, it is pretty amazing how God is working out all things. So we're going to pick back up in Genesis 22 in verse 9. And I want to read a few more verses for us this morning. It says, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar, altar there and laid the wood in order in order, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Let's just pause like right there. Once again, imagine this. Abraham is just moving forward and believing what God said. God, you told me to come here and sacrifice him. He binds him and lays him on the wood. Abraham is completely trusting God. He is, he, is, he is completely trusting that God will have to somehow intervene here. The story continues. Verse 10, Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, Here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I will know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, for me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The story at the time seemed crazy. It seemed weird. It seemed like, why would God do such a thing as this? But as you look at it here, this is who God is pointing to. God is constantly pointing to his son Jesus that one day a son would be sacrificed. And not only that, the rest of Israel, the rest of Israel's history, when they would look to that mountain, Abraham, Abraham named that mountain, God will provide. So for the rest of Israel's history, 
God's people would look to the mountain and say, God will provide. And it happens to be the same mountain Jerusalem becomes built on. It's the same place where their temple, where God physically dwelled, would be at. And the entire time, it is, it is them pointing to what God would eventually do, that God would provide. And we see in the Son, Jesus, that God provided. The Christmas time is all about celebrating Jesus, but I want us to realize that this is who Jesus has always been. Jesus has always been in the midst of God working throughout the entire Old Testament. It is constantly pointing and saying, listen, one day God will provide. And this story is just is clearly foreshadowing that God would one day provide a son. He would one day provide an offering a sacrifice for this world. In church, I just want to encourage you and challenge you that as you think about this Christmas season, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus, may we remember what God has always done. This plan of Jesus is not just a plan that was like, you know, God was like last minute, like, what should I do here? The plan has always been for the Son to come. The plan has always been that the Son would come and be a sacrifice for God's people. And the people of Israel, they didn't know how God was going to be doing this, but like what I said, this story, the people of Israel knew this story. This story was burnt into their minds. It was always shared. It was always told. They knew how Abraham took his one and only son, according to God, and he brought him up there to be sacrificed. But God provided. And I hope and I pray that as we celebrate Christmas this season, that we would just take time and remember, God, you have always provided a sacrifice for us. God, you have always been pointing to your son Jesus from the very beginning. And Lord, help us to be focused on your son this Christmas. Christmas time is honestly, has always kind of been a struggle for me personally. Christmas, I, I see how our culture celebrates Christmas and, and it's all about the presents and it's all about these gifts and, and I see people feeling really, really stressed out like, you know, I got to be getting presents for this person and you've got your like list going on and what about them and what about this? The season is all about pointing us back to the sun. The Old Testament points to the sun and we today should always be looking back and pointing to the sun. This Christmas season it's not about all this stuff happening, but it's about us remembering the sacrifice God has made for us. And this sacrifice has always been part of God's plan. And my hope and my prayer is that you would not be stressed out this season, but that you would be able to just enjoy this season of always remembering what God has done. And I, I encourage you, reread Genesis chapter 22 and just look at how, God, this has been your plan. And give praise to him and give honor to him. And I really hope that we can make this Christmas season all about Jesus. 
And for the next couple weeks, we are going to be looking at how Jesus has always been there in the Old Testament. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come back up. And I want us to just, in this, in this time and in this moment, just to declare how great God is. So I'm going to ask for you to, to stand, and, and I'm going to pray for us this morning. And I want us to just be focused on Christ this morning and in this season. Let us pray. Father God, as we look to your word today, Lord, you have always had a plan for your son to come and to be a sacrifice for your people. Father, I pray over this Christmas season, Father, I pray that we would be focused on your son, that we would spend time in our homes and with our families looking to your word and looking to you each and every day. Father, I thank you that, that you sent your one and only son here to be a sacrifice for us. And God, as we sing this song now, Lord, let our hearts and minds be focused on you. Let us declare who you are this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name.